gym and it's hot as hell and I'm sweating <laughs> like a pig. There was no AC in there. And you're like, quick, we got to tape. We got to record. So oh, there's no shower. I'm dripping in sweat. And this is why we don't do YouTube in case you're in it. Okay, I was thinking the exact same thing because I am in my closet as usual, which was already hot. And then the weather's warming up. So outside's warming up, inside the house is warming up. And then I thought I wanted something for my throat. So of course, I made myself a hot cup of tea. Because that's what you do when it's almost May. That's what you do. And I'm having hot flashes. So we are painting a very pretty picture, my friend. <laughs> and again, yeah. we'll rename the thing too. And this is why we don't do YouTube. Yeah, hey, exactly. welcome to another episode of Today We Laughed and Learn. We're hitting a milestone today. We are episode 10, double digits. Hello, Deb. Wow. Hey, Chris. What's up? That's amazing. It is. And it was amazing to see you the other day. If anybody saw us on Instagram, they see we were actually together. And I for know. you guys who don't know, Deb and I don't record in the same place we are about live about four hours apart from each other so this is why we have so many audio issues because we are not together we think that's why we have audio issues (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i'm thinking i'm thinking that either our audio is getting better or people are just getting used to it and it's not sounding as bad what do you think i'm going on we're getting used to it (laughs) i'm thinking so too (laughs) to be honest we're tweaking it every week we're tweaking a little more because we really have no clue so it's just a very slow process like today this week i bought a new cord for my microphone see if that works if that doesn't work i'm investing i'm treating myself to a new microphone i second that (laughs) so it's actually tuesday the day we're recording we normally record sundays but we're recording late because Deb and I both celebrate Orthodox Easter, which was this past Sunday. So for those who celebrate, happy Easter. And those who had Easter the week before, happy Easter to you folks as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great because when there's a holiday, Deb comes right around to my section of the town oh, and yeah. to visit her family. And we always get to get a quick cup of coffee. So it was fun to visit you. Yay! It was so good to see you. And that's why I wanted to take all those selfies (laughs) just to like actually (laughs) capture it on film that we're actually sitting in the same room together. (laughs) I know. Well, if, again, if, if you know us at all, which most of you don't, but, um, She's like the extrovert. I'm the introvert. I don't want my picture taken. So she's like, take a selfie, take a selfie. So it's one of the few that you're ever going to see. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. They're on my phone. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so any news there, Chicky? Any news? Well, all I can say is that it's probably a good thing that we're not together because you'd probably slap me <laughs> when you heard my topic. Oh, you're. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm. I'm I don't. Well, <laughs> I think it's going to be one of those things where you're like, Deb, why so deep? Why? Why? So I'm just like, I'm going to reveal my topic pretty soon, but I'm just telling you, Chris, that the next time, like I texted you a few days ago, I'm, my topic is going to be like pancake recipes. I just, I'm I'm not going this deep again, but you know, then I was thinking that I am probably the kind of person who could find something, you know, very meaningful about pancake recipes. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. The spiritual side of pancakes. <laughs> there's there's gotta be a spiritual side. And there there are probably like hundred and eight ingredients in pancake I was recipes. Just gonna say that. <laughs> Great minds think alike. They All do. Right. 
So, so are you ready for the big reveal? You know, take it away. Oh, I'm boy. ready. Okay, so I am fascinated by, and I'm happy that I had the chance to look into my topic for this week, which is the connection or not between humor and depression. <laughs> oh my God, Debbie! <laughs> I know, didn't I? I can feel the slap from here. I'm sorry. What is wrong with you? <laughs> and then I wonder why I was like down all week. <laughs> Oh, and I still have my COVID cough, by the way. Okay. Yeah, we're going to make this one quick and dirty. You have got to be kidding. <laughs> yeah. I, like I said, pancake recipes. Pancake recipes. I promise. <laughs> I mean, if anybody tuned in last week, I was not the connection between happiness or humor and depression. I'm like, look at these ladies go. <laughs> That was that, that your topic was both humorous and depressing. You see how there's a connection? <laughs> there was a connection. However, I just feel that mine might have been a little lighter and a little easier to investigate. Deb, we only have one week to check out these topics here. How did you get I it know. done? No wonder you were stressed. I know, God. I, yeah, I'm never doing that to myself again. Um, but actually, that's a really good point. Maybe our listeners can uh, let us know if they're liking the light, they're liking the heavy, they're liking sort of whatever we're throwing at them. Uh, we can talk about that maybe at the end of the episode. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> bear with me. Um, so, as usual my topics always stem from personal experience, right? Um, and I always mm -hmm. have to explain how that has, you know, come about. So I am, you, you know this because you're, a, a, you know, one of my best friends, but I struggled with depression. I've just uh, struggled with depression in the past and I have a few little blips, I have to say, uh, even now, but still, I'm happy that it's for the most part behind me. But I just remember thinking that um, I want to talk about it because I just think it's important for anybody who's struggling to hear other people talk about. It. I just remember thinking, you know, if I can share my story with even just one person and that helps them find the help that they need, then it'll have, you know, been worth it. So I, and also I, you know, I, I started struggling at a fairly early age and I didn't reach out about it. So I think that maybe if I had talked a little bit about it, I might've avoided, you know, a lot of sort of pain along the way. But anyway, I want to get to why I chose this particular topic. Um, so when I eventually started opening up about it, I remember, you know, everybody was the 80s, right? You remember this. Yeah, remember we were like, well, I we don't remember talk about the 80s. Yes. And how we glossed over everything and nobody talked about anything like this. So mm -hmm. I just, I remember opening up, I was in high school and I, you know, I eventually told like my teachers about it, my principal and all that. And they're like, what? No way. You know, you've got a great life and a great family and you guys go on great <laughs> holidays and you're popular and you're smart. And, uh, and so that just made me feel even worse because I was like, you know, I already feel terrible and now I just feel ungrateful. Um, but then, it, and, yeah, but then I ended up thinking, you know, but, you know, it just kind of convinced me that depression is, is actually like a, a disease or a, um, you know, what's it called? Uh, I can't think of the word right now, but anyway, it is a disease because nobody with all these things going for them um, would sort of have any sort of excuse to, to feel that way kind of thing. So anyway, so um, then I started opening up about it again, and uh, th this is sort of what's coming into like why I chose this topic. And people were like, um, 
wait a second, like, there's no way you're depressed. You're always smiling. You're funny. You know, you make us laugh. You're always like having fun and stuff like that. Uh, so I thought, why, like, how is it that these two things can coexist? And this is sort of where my topic came from. Like how, because I genuinely, you know, I did have my, my spells of depression, but I also was happy or seemingly happy and, and funny and what like, you know, and whatnot. So I was just always very fascinated, you know, to find out if there was any sort of link between these two things. Um, hang on a second, because you of course know that I've lost, already lost my, lost <laughs> <your> notes. <laughs> um, Anyway, and then, so I was always interested in this. And then you, you know, you remember this. We started hearing about people, you know, comedians like Robin Williams um, committing suicide. And, you know, Jim Carrey has been very open about his mental health struggles. And I was like, wait a second, this must be, you know, this must be something. And I remember, it was funny, a friend of mine, uh, she's still a very good friend of mine, one of my best friends, Molly, she lives in Canada. And she said, she knew me very well. And she said, you know, Deb, you are both my funniest and my most serious friend. And that just stayed with me. That was like 35 years ago. And I was just like, wow, I am, you know, a walking paradox. But anyway, as I said, when we started hearing about comedians who were struggling and whatnot, I thought, okay, there's got to be some sort of a link here. So that's what we're going to dive into today. Okay. Are you enjoying this or 108? So I actually, I, no, no, actually, I think it's kind of fascinating because you are actually the most serious yeah. and funniest friend I have. I mean, you're, we really? talk about some very serious topics and on the yeah. flip side, we get yeah. silly. I know. You know. I don't know what it, well, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it's, it's incredible that those two things can sort of coexist in the same person. And it's a little bit confusing <laughs> for the person, but, oh, that's so interesting that you think so too. Well, maybe my topic today will shed some light on, I'm um, sure it on will. all of this. Yes. So. Firstly, though, because, you know, you and I are looker-uppers and we like statistics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to look up a few things about depressions. <laughs> so here we go. Um, Bring it on. I can't wait. <laughs> you, you're going to have like 12 bottles of wine today to go <laughs> straight to after this, I think. Um, I, I should have stopped at the store first. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Maybe there's this like whatever, this topic should have come with a warning or <laughs> something. Okay. So depression is the single biggest killer of men aged 20 to 49 in the UK, according to the campaign against living miserably. Um, is, <laughs> Sorry. So, that Sorry. wasn't supposed to be that wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> I, okay. I have okay. to be it, that the topic isn't funny. The reason for the group isn't funny, but really that's what they came up with for I know. And if you take the acronym Campaign Against Living Miserably, it's calm. C A L M. Uh, you oh, see. Okay, but again, I know. Yeah, I mean, all right. It, well, it gets to the point. I mean, no. it tells you what it is. So I guess it's okay. And it's the UK yeah. and they're a little more direct. So <laughs> it, it doesn't leave much to the imagination. No. Um, no. But yeah. Okay. Carrying on. So mm -hmm. according to the World Health Organization, about 5% of adults suffer from depression. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide and is a major contributor to the overall global burden of disease. More women are affected by depression than men. Approximately 280 million people worldwide have depression. So it's a 
it's kind of a big deal. Um, there, you know, there are various types of depression ranging from you know, mild to extremely severe, and over 700,000 people die from suicide every year. And the last statistic I have for you is suicide is the fourth leading cause of death between 15 to 29-year-olds. So pretty prevalent stuff, right? Well, you do hear a lot ever since COVID. This is yes. a, a big issue. I know. I Yes. And I even know some, you know, personal examples of people who hadn't any issues before COVID and then have just um, developed all these mental health issues. So, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, you know, I don't want to bring anybody down with this topic, but you never know. Maybe somebody listening is like, hey, I'm actually relieved to hear that it's not just me or something like that, you know, or that somebody's um, recognizing me. So anyway... I have to say, you're quite brave to take this on. I would not take on this topic. You're quite brave to do this. Oh, well, thank you. I I don't think it was... Anyway, you know, maybe I shouldn't have, but time will tell. And no. uh, it's it's all good. You know what? Let's, let's go back to our original thoughts. We just want to learn some stuff that we didn't know, that we were always curious, curious about. You know, we're not experts. Um, so if people just take away, you know, two or three things from the topic today that they didn't know yesterday, then I think our work here is done. Exactly. That's right. You're doing a great job, Deb. Oh, thank you. Um, So the first thing I read that I found really interesting was that funny and happy are not the same thing. Isn't that kind of interesting? It is, but I can see that. Right. I can see that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's sort of what it it resonated in me too, because I thought, um, you know, funny, you know, very often comedians, because the topic ended up being more so about comedians. Um, mm-hmm. Comedians often use very, you know, sarcastic, sardonic, sort of dark humor, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily represent happiness, right? So I do think it's so interesting that there is this difference, this distinction between funny and happy. Anyway, I'm going to carry on. Can I just interrupt? Hold on. Yes. Yes. Don't you always find that the not always, but mm-hmm. the majority were growing up. If there was a kid that didn't fit in mm-hmm. or was unhappy, who who was the class clown? That's it. That's exactly what the research said too. That's exactly ah, it. Yeah. You see, you, you're all, you, I was going to say you're learning, but you actually, you knew that beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Because what I'm going to go through some of the studies, so I'm going to get to what you're saying, mm-hmm. but that's exactly one of the findings that they were looking for acceptance. And that was the only way they knew how to do it. So let's go, let's go through some of the studies. So Samuel Janus conducted a famous study in 1975 where he interviewed 55 professional and famous comedians. 51 were men and four were women. Anyway, he was trying to figure out the connection between um, how anxiety and depression actually helped the comedians in their, in their success as comedians. Um, the results of the study showed that comedians were exceptionally smart, um, but felt misunderstood, angry, anxious, suspicious, depressed, and concerned with approval. Exactly what you were saying. Um, Often in their childhoods, they um, experience suffering, isolation, feelings of deprivation, and they use humor, you know, quite obviously as a defense mechanism. And then there was a study by Fisher and Fisher. Fisher, I couldn't figure out or find out when it was um, done. 
sorry, um, mm-hmm. that revealed that comedians often had to take on serious responsibilities as young children. Um, the majority of professional comics had also had um, like an imagery of smallness and tended to have very low self-esteem, um, likely stemming from, you know, re- feeling reduced significance um, when they were children. So Kaufman and Cosbelt drew an understanding from these, from the Fisher's results, that comedy serves as one, a coping mechanism to hide trauma, and two, exactly what you said, a way for the comedian to form relations and gain acceptance. So let's look at the first part of that, um, which is, you know, using humor as a coping mechanism. Uh, All of these studies led to a psychological phenomenon called the sad clown paradox. Have you ever heard of that? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, or maybe I'm thinking of those like theatrical masks, like the happy and the sad one. I'm not sure. But yeah, I'm not sure. Um, So the sad clown paradox is described as a cyclothymic, which of course I looked up. It just means, you know. It goes up and down, in in my words, mm-hmm. <laughs> temperament, <laughs> that encourages the creation of lighthearted humor in a professional setting despite inner turmoil. So essentially, humor is used as a form of self-medication that provides like short periods of satisfaction, but that need to be done over and over again. Um, the German philosopher Nietzsche said, man alone suffers so excruciatingly in the world that he was compelled to create laughter, which I just thought was kind of incredible it's like what I'm understanding is that um you know comedians who were you know struggling in their childhood sort of decided at one point you know I have two choices either I can let depression or anxiety or whatever their particular ailment was you know drag me down this black hole of misery or I can just go completely you know to the other side I can make it absurd I can make a joke out of it as a survival mechanism you know So, um, so this is actually something that came up a lot during my research. Fisher and Fisher found that comics generally display themes of conflicts and contrasts, and they found that comedians learn from early on that life is absurd. Um, they can either let, like what it boils down to is that they're in so much pain that they can either let depression and anxiety you know, suck them down this black hole kind of thing, or they can just try to see the ridiculous in uh, the ridiculousness in it and, and try to make fun of it sort of thing. Um, so that's sort of where this decision they make sort of every time they're dealing with an issue is like, either I can let this um, overwhelm me or I can try to get on top of it by, by making a joke of it kind of thing. Um, so that's- Right. Have you noticed that uh, like a lot of comedians have this, like, you know, funniness doesn't seem to be about happiness. Mainly the stuff that we laugh at is like ridiculousness of like life and, and things. Is that what you were going to say that you've noticed something like that? Yes. In fact, last night we were watching Bill Maher on TV and yeah. he, he actually, I don't know if this really actually in my head, it sounded good, but <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> But he had, said, he had said something basically like, you know, everyone now all the comedians are being censored for every little thing they say and everything mm. else. And like people, we just need, you know, we're just making light of heavy situations, basically. Exactly. But I don't, you know, I don't think that hits exactly what you're saying. But he was make referencing. I mean, I remember in the '80s, mm. like everybody, you know, Robin Williams, uh, uh, what do you call Gallagher? Um, yeah. Oh, George. Carl- and 
Uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, everybody, it it was all about life and they were just laughing at it and showing the ridiculousness about it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I think that, you know, we certainly have to show sensitivity to, to certain things, but yeah, when you can't make, um, like life is kind of ridiculous, you know, like we're presented with all these situations and we're just trying to, you know, make the best of it as sort of non-experts. So I totally, yeah, I totally agree that we should be able to um, laugh at our own experience, you know? You you know, it's ridiculous. You know, yeah. whatever happened is foolish or it's horrible. But- exactly. I, I don't, I, I wish I had words. <laughs> well, I know, I know, and I, I'm not really expressing myself well either, but I think that, I think it's what, like Nietzsche was saying, the, the German philosopher, that it's like, there's so much pain in the world that if we just walk around carrying all this pain, that's, that's not living, really is it right so it just it makes more sense to me to be able to make fun of a situation or maybe you know see the absurdity of it um as a coping mechanism yeah well what this research is saying and and what i read was that what they found was that comedians said that you know making fun of a situation gave them gave them the ability to assert some kind of control over it and that makes sense in my mind uh probably in yours too right Without a doubt, I just wish I could express it, but go on. I know, know, exactly. I think that totally makes sense, though, that, you know, you're sort of overwhelmed by by a situation. If you can um, sort of make light of it, um, it makes you feel, it makes it a little bit smaller. And in fact, Aparna Nacherla, Nancherla, sorry, I hope I haven't pronounced that incorrectly, is an American comedian who has appeared on Inside Amy Schumer and has written for Late Night with Seth Meyers. And she said, and I think that she um, really, she described it the way we're trying to, but are not actually (laughs) managing to. Um, Oh, just a a parenthesis. Uh, I watched this great documentary on uh, Netflix called, and this is one of those big titles that you're always talking about. And you're right. Like, why do they make all the titles so big? It is. Comedians Tackling Depression and Anxiety Makes Us Feel Seen, a Laughing Matters documentary. So if anybody wants to check it out, that's on Netflix. And she said, comedy is a way to translate your darkest thoughts into a form that gives them a little less power. Isn't that sort of what we're trying to say, but not managing it? It is. Exactly. I I was going to say that exact same way. I'm sure. She said it before I did, but... Exactly. You'll have your chance, Chris. I promise you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah. So what they're saying is that the coping mechanism that comedians generally found um, was that, you know, making sort of light of a situation made them feel like it was a little bit smaller and more manageable. Um, So the Samuel Janis study showed that comedians actually felt that life's hardships provided the material for their work. And this was really interesting. Listen to this. 80% of uh, the the comedians who were studied reported being in psychotherapy at one point in their life, but stopping after less than a year because they were afraid that if they were no longer suffering, they would no longer be funny. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. That's sad, I guess. (laughs) I know it's just it's this it's the spark. Um, yeah, I really think that humor comedy um, is is finding that very fine line between like 
sort of serious and ridiculous. I think that's what right. it is. And I feel, yeah, and I feel, feel like if they weren't presented with these serious battles, you know, with depression and whatnot, they wouldn't be able to find that fine line that we all apparently find very funny, probably because <laughs> we all have our own, you know, mental issues to varying degrees. So I thought that was interesting. So in this documentary that I mentioned, um, Baron Vaughn, he is an American comedian. I didn't know of any of these comedians. I'm not sure if you did, but he played Bud Bergstein in Grace and Frankie, which I haven't seen, but I'd like to check that out um, on Netflix. Have you seen it? I saw one episode and I, I know they call it that it's fantastic. And I, it interests me to go back and see it again, but the first episode did not pull me in. Yeah. I, that happens. I haven't seen it, but yeah, sometimes you have to give a few episodes a chance to yeah. to see if it's going to pull you in. I know. And I mean, it's about ladies, you know, ladies, you know, in their 70s. And you and I are so far from that, that how could we possibly relate? We cannot relate. I know. I, it's all on the flip side, <laughs> I relate to Blanche Devereaux from Golden Girls. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's my speed. <laughs> Oh my God, I know. And I was reading uh, in this, like in me researching for this episode, I was reading all about Betty White, who was like the first female comedian and she died at like 102 or something. So I guess we can relate to older people, even though we're not, (laughs) even though we're not old. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) All righty. So what did Vaughn, Baron Vaughn have to say? Um, He said, the spiral that you can go to in anxiety is just good writing when it comes down to it. It's just storytelling. Uh, Comedians especially, we believe that these feelings are our creativity. So it's incredible. I don't know. I just find it really fascinating how... That is actually quite fascinating. This is not as... I'm I'm not yelling at you now. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. You can... can, not yell at me you can give me a strong uh, uh talking to no because i think i think you're doing an incredible job with the topic i <laughs> i'm very surprised at how you're able to pull this off good girl oh thank you well i just i'm always interested in finding that sort of paradox right and i think that there's this incredible paradox between these horrible horrible feelings and then the ability to make people laugh and and actually you know sort of make yourself feel better in the process so something that I found yeah something that I found uh interesting is sorry just a second in the documentary oh I wanted to say that Sarah Silverman in the documentary says 100% of comedians become comedians because somewhere in their childhood they needed to be funny in order to survive see yeah it's incredible we knew it we knew it. And something else I read that I thought was interesting is that um, another, like, so when people are suffering from depression, anxiety it can be, you know, manifested in different ways. And there's often a tendency to want to hit something or hurt someone or, you know, do something illegal. And I don't think mm-hmm. this is just, I don't think what I'm about to say is, you know, just related to comedians, but a lot of people find that instead of going the sort of dangerous route of, you know, actually doing something illegal, being humorous is a very safe, socially accepted way to get that sort of aggression out of you. So anyway, right. that was, yeah, we're, we're all for humor as opposed to, um, you know, criminal violence. <laughs> violence. Thank you. I yeah, violence. The violence. It's okay. The violence is not good. <laughs> violence oh, bad. Bad. <laughs> well, you know, maybe a little violence. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. 
Okay. So, so what we've talked about so far is how like the first part of all of the studies that was saying that comedians generally use humor as a, um, a coping mechanism. But the other result of the study was how, you know, comedians generally felt in their childhood sort of misunderstood and they wanted um, acceptance. So that's what I looked up sort of in this next part. And um, there was another finding Oh, sorry. Um, there was another finding from the Fisher study that said that comedians have low self-esteem and use comedy as a means of gaining acceptance. The Fisher said that comics have a need to convince others of their value. And I think this is really interesting. This is why they use self-deprecating humor and they offset their feelings of unworthiness by taking on the role of, the, sorry, the role in society of helping others by providing laughter. So they're getting acceptance for themselves like every time they get a laugh it's sort of reassuring them that you know okay I am worthy um but they also felt so um they had such low self-esteem that they felt that okay if I can provide something if I can give something back to society if I can make people laugh then I will be providing a service to society therefore I am valuable I just I think it's incredible it is and I don't know why I am not surprised over any of that I know. I don't know why. I know. I think it's just I, watching you know, over the years different, you know, documents of things like on Robin Williams and, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. George Carlin, people like that. They all kind of had the same story. Yep, exactly. Um, I think you're absolutely right. And it was when, you know, Robin Williams committed suicide and Jim Carrey started really opening up about his mental issues that I, you know, I thought there was a connection, but I wanted to actually go and see like the research, you know, is mm -hmm. this an actual thing? And it just seems like they really, I'm not saying that you have to be depressed in order to be a good comedian or, you know, that all depressed people are funny, but there's definitely a link. Yeah, right. I think so. And that was sort of what I was interested in, um, in looking into. So um, apparently what I read, they say that one of the problems is, though, that, you know, a, a comedian is only performing, let's say, a couple of nights a week or something. So this need that they or this the, the sort of the drug of people laughing at their jokes and, and giving them the acceptance that they're looking for is unfortunately something that's not very, um, you know, it's, it can't be sustained all the time. It's something that, mm -hmm. you know, sort of comes and fits and starts. So Janice found that comedians worked to exhaustion to ensure that they remained relevant and funny and that they feared the longevity of their popularity as celebrities. So all of this, you know, is related to their, um, you know, lack of self-esteem and just self-esteem. Yeah, and, and feeling like, you know, only, you know, making people laugh. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But they were just very concerned about staying funny. And I guess that explains why that they, you know, why they didn't want to stay in therapy and whatnot, because they just they wouldn't have any material to stay funny. So it's just very sad to think that um, their experiences with feeling good about themselves through humor were very short lived, you know, maybe an hour a night or, or something when they went home, I think they were a very different person, you know? Well, you know, that's strange because again, I was watching uh Jimmy Kimmel yesterday mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Bill Maher was on it and mm -hmm. it was an old, a couple weeks old and Gilbert Gottfried had just died. Oh, and uh, I don't know if you remember him, the Aflac duck. Yeah. You may not know. You, um, but I, I remember he, his, he was, yeah, his comedy from the eighties and nineties, although his comedy wasn't my taste, but he was still famous, you know, comedian, but they were saying is that, uh, Bill Maher said, you know, I've known the guy for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. He's like, but I don't know him. Yeah. I, anytime you talk to him, uh, 
And then Jimmy Kimmel interested. Yeah, every time I talked to him, he was always in shtick. Like he never had a conversation. He would always make a joke out of everything. You never, they were just coming. How they never got to know him as a person. They'd known him for a couple of decades. I and they knew yes. that they sit down and he just stays in his shtick. Yep. And it's probably intentional. Like he probably didn't know how, maybe he didn't even know who he was when he wasn't in character. Maybe, you know, he didn't feel like he was enough if he wasn't in character, if he was just showing up as himself. Incredible. Right. He, he probably felt like everybody liked him as go- yeah. goofy Gilford Godfrey and yeah. was afraid of being not liked. Exactly. If he came out of character and had a conversation. <laughs> Exactly. And I remember noticing that I think it was with Robin Williams that anytime I would watch an interview with him, he would go back and forth between all these different accents. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I wondered, like, what his actual speaking voice was like. I remember this was, you know, years ago before I started to do, you know, decide to do this episode. I was like, I wonder what would it be like to actually talk to Robin Williams? Because he was always going into, you know, he was sort of famous for his various voices, right? Oh, you say that, and I didn't even think about that. Yeah, any interview, any anything, he was always. Yeah, he never. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm. He probably did. I don't know. I don't remember him. I can picture him on like, um, you know, David Letterman's couch, or whatever. You know, always yeah. trying to be funny. Yeah, exactly. Because I think that's the only time they feel uh, valuable. I mean, that's a huge generalization, obviously, but for the most part, certainly that's what this research is saying. So it's 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 incredible. Um, well, sorry. I'm sorry. And even on, um, although he's not technically a comedian, but even mm-hmm. Howard Stern, he grew up, he was very, always felt, uh, mm. you know, not worthy. And he went on the radio to entertain. That was how he felt important, yeah. how he felt uh, yeah. liked by people. Because before that, he didn't have, you know, he had a rotten childhood and all those things. Yeah. Or so he says, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he, oh, but he always said that's why he got into uh, he only felt comfortable on the radio and he knew yeah. people liked him. That, you know, it's probably, I mean, now we're making, you know, huge generalizations, but it's probably true of most celebrities. Um, like I've always wondered, like if you're like a huge, I don't know, rock star performer, you, you like even let's say Adele, you know, Adele does, puts on a show at, I don't know, Wembley with how many, you know, thousands of, of um, attendees like, what does she do after that? Go home, wash her face, brush her teeth, and go to bed? Like, I think you, so. You, yeah, probably. <laughs> <Pretty sure. laughs> Most likely. I know. That's great. <laughs> but I think, don't you think that would be a massive high to try to come down from? I'm not sure. She's probably I, managing fine. And I probably shouldn't have, you know, named a specific person. But I think that would be a really hard um, high to, you know, recreate at home. <laughs> Well, I would say, like, look at Madonna. She doesn't stop. What's she going to do once, you know, yeah, I don't know, yeah. once she's 80? The same thing. But, you know, she can't, if she stops, then what's she got? <laughs> you know, exactly. but when it comes to, like you said about Adele and the, you know, 100,000 people in the audience and everything else. Yeah. But then you come to the thing, which would be a whole different topic of how do they know who's truly a friend or somebody who truly likes them for them, you Absolutely. know, and not for being Adele? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, they couldn't is- trust anybody. But that's something else. But yeah, we could look exactly at that another like you day. Said. <laughs> but like you said, if a comedian isn't funny and just sitting down talking about the news, mm-hmm. will people still like you? Yeah, mm, maybe, exactly. You know? 
And I've often wondered, but now we're totally getting off track. If you know, maybe that's why there's so much <laughs> there's so much addiction. Just all of our listeners out there, we need you to know that this is a typical Chris and Deb discussion we get actually, off on. <laughs> actually, actually, no, this is not because normally we're way past this. We'd be like. I don't know where we'd be, but we would not be anywhere near this topic. This is the longest we stay concentrated on any topic yeah. ever. Yeah, exactly. These are these are very well managed tangents by our standards. But yes. okay, just, just this one last thing. So I've often wondered, and I'm, I'm sure everybody it's probably fact that that's why um, you know addiction is so rampant in the entertainment community because I just I would assume that people are always trying to find that high of being admired of being worshipped of um, you know being on stage whatever um, I don't know I think there must be a, a big hole when they're not in character or you know singing or doing whatever there must be a big gap that needs to be filled so it's pretty incredible when you think about it it is it is so such a good job Deb I'm so proud oh, of you thank you oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm almost done, actually. We we went off on a tangent. I only have a little bit more to say. But so, yeah. So what we were saying is that, you know, comedians use um, humor as a, a coping mechanism for depression and anxiety, and they use it as a way to be accepted. And um, and then I said that, you know, they sometimes feel like they, if they were giving the gift of humor to society, then they're somehow making themselves valuable to society. And in the documentary, Anna Akana, who is an American actress and comedian, she's actually... She's a comedian like on her own YouTube channel or something like that. She said, I felt dead. The only thing that made me feel alive was trying to make people laugh. So there you have it. And then I just wanted to go. mention, yeah, there were so many uh, comedians. Oh, sorry. Did you want to say something? Well, I'm just thinking. Yeah. Doesn't mean much. But <laughs> <laughs> you say this <laughs> This girl on uh, she has a YouTube, I guess. She said. What do you think about TikTok? Yeah, you know, I, I, to be honest, other than Robin Williams and Sarah Silverman, I haven't heard of any of them, but yeah. And Robin, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they're funny. Yes. <laughs> but there is, there's some correlation in all this with YouTube, TikTok, uh, the amount of kids who are depressed now. Yeah. Uh, yes. It, this is, all, you know, they feel like they need to get like, they feel like they need to be on TikTok and be funny or stylish or, you know, or they didn't get the likes and get, it, exactly. you know what I'm saying? I absolutely know what you're saying. I, I mean, even myself, I mean, it's embarrassing to admit, but I, of course, you know, I post on Instagram and of course I'm looking to see how many likes I got. Okay. I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but I, I'm also not a teenager, you know, like I think that there's so much um, social media, it's all about validation, like, am I being, you know, is somebody liking what I'm doing is, otherwise, why wouldn't, we, why, why wouldn't we just do what we do in the privacy of our own bedrooms or, you know, or in our own home? Why do I have to post a picture on Instagram? Like, what are why you am posting? I posting? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, the living closet. Okay. Yeah. That was, we might, we might need to delete that part, but no. <laughs> just, just so you know, the linen closet is actually adjunct is that right to a bedroom so I had a bedroom in front of me Chris that's why I said the bedroom okay fair enough <laughs> I, did I save it uh yes yes okay completely good covered go. now you're fine good to go <laughs> oh my god so um yeah the point is I think we're all looking for validation because 
Um, you know, why, why else would we be posting stuff? We really just, we don't really care about people seeing our dogs. We want to know if people like our dogs. Are our dogs right. acceptable to the people? I know. And this is not something that we ever had to go through yeah. before. You were the funny kid in class or you were the wallflower, one or the other. Exactly. You and know? then you went home and then you went home from school and you were nothing. Right. But <laughs> nobody else, you didn't know what everybody else was doing. So, uh, exactly. and they weren't out there trying to show, oh, I'm having so much fun when they're not. <laughs> they're just exactly. telling you they are you know exactly. oh, that's, a whole, that's a huge topic for a different day it is but, oh yeah I was going to add something to that but I won't because we'll just <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll but, I think, but I think this is what I they definitely fit into this whole humor and uh, depression thing I mean it's not humor it's just acceptance yep exactly look at we you know we don't have enough um sense of self so we seek it you know from elsewhere we're looking for someone else to give it to us um yeah so, so should i not say so please like and uh <laughs> give us five stars on all our social media <laughs> okay no yeah actually we should be like you know what we like our podcast and that's enough <laughs> Right, but <laughs> okay, we'll get to that. But just before we do, oh my god, wow, we're really shooting ourselves in the foot. But anyway, um, I wanted to say a couple of names apart from there were so many comedians that I researched who suffer from mental health issues. But you know, obviously, Robin Williams is um, a famous one, Jim Carrey, John Belushi, of course, who, who I totally oh, forgot yeah, about, of course, mm -hmm. yep, Conan O'Brien, O'Brien, which I didn't know. Drew Carey. I could see that though. I could. See, I mean, he yeah. just seems like he was the goofy kid in class. That you know, if he wasn't goofy, he'd be. Yeah. You know, he does. He just comes off as that. Exactly. Yeah, who I, else? Jim Carrey, of course. Yeah, Jim Carrey. Yeah, Drew Carey as well. Um, mm. Ellen DeGeneres. I think that mm. I don't think that surprised me very much because even when no. she's funny, she's kind of serious. She's not silly, right? Right. No, so, she's a silly comedian. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's kind of, she reminds me kind of of like a Jerry Springer almost. Yes. Yeah, actually that, yeah. He was probably depressed too. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Okay. Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> that's an oldie buddy goodie. David Letterman. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. actually, Rodney Dangerfield flat out told you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. It wasn't just me being intuitive. No, no. He actually <laughs> mentioned it every time he got on stage. There you go. <laughs> okay. So I didn't have to. I didn't have to dig too deep for that one. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I wanted to mention was Owen Wilson. Right. Yes. Well. Yeah. Well, he that, attempted yeah. suicide at one point. I right. I know something like tried to burn down his house or something I'm, i can't or uh, yeah i'm not really sure sorry <laughs> I, no, I don't remember that part i just remember that he uh attempted suicide thankfully he didn't oh thank god i know and I think, on that and, yeah sorry go ahead i think johnny carson was too he wasn't like a people person oh. like he was funny on stage and stuff but like he was very yeah. shy when uh right when uh he'd get backstage or when he'd be out places like he was not a very open person Right. I've heard the same thing about Ellen DeGeneres, actually, that she just like yeah. beelines it for the studio. She doesn't like stop to interact with, um, with any of her fans and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah she might have some anxiety about, you know, social situations. I'm not sure. So something I want to mention before we close, um, even though... <laughs> Sorry. 
Sorry. Before we beg for before we beg for likes, go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> to feel validated. Um, I want to say, and we did mention this a bit in the beginning, that anytime we've laughed through this episode, it is certainly not because we think anything about depression is funny. And as I, you know, said in the beginning, I do suffer from some depre- from depression. It's not always bad, but you know, anyway, I, I'm managing it. So I'm. We believe me, I'm the last person who's going to laugh about depression. Any laughter was just sort of about um, being blown away by how depression is related to to humor. So I just wanted to make that qualification. And also, I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's how I deal with situations. I laugh at everything, you know. Right. I'm sure I'm completely inappropriate in almost every situation. But yeah. it's just because I don't, I feel very uncomfortable to do anything else. Yeah, so, no, that's actually you know, amazing. Same thing for with, you to sh- yeah, for you to share that. That's amazing, Chris. Yeah. You know, so anything that I may have laughed at in the episode, it's just, that's just how I am. It's not, yeah. I don't find it funny. And I, I know. do, but you mentioned all those comedians and I can see it in the, like, you stop yeah. and think about them. I think about their acts or just look at them and you just know, like you can yeah. see it in their eyes, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So there you have it. The connection between (laughs) depression and and humor. Well, you did a great job. You were so stressed over this and you did an amazing job. And to be honest, we ended up filming, uh, recording this on two separate days because the Wi-Fi went completely bonkers yesterday. (laughs) And even when we hung up, you're like, oh, this isn't good. It was great. Oh. And, I mean, there's no way. Mine would have gone on for another three hours, first off. <laughs> uh, well, I, think you, I think you did a fabulous job, and I think you should be proud of yourself and give yourself a pat on the back. It wasn't oh. heavy at all, I don't think. Okay, thank you. I think maybe I was a little bit nervous about um, revealing my own struggles with depression. I didn't get too much into it. Um, So maybe that was more what I was stressed about and not the actual uh, topic. But thank you. Thanks for encouraging me. And I I hope, oh, thanks. I hope our our listeners enjoyed it too. I hope you enjoyed it, guys. (laughs) I, I, I'm, I think they did. I think yeah. I think that person did. <laughs> <laughs> that one that one person who, who liked and subscribed. No. You know what? You're wrong. We have at this point of recording, we have 180 listens to our podcast now. Yay. Granted, not all of them can be it's still 180 more than we thought we would. So we do thank whoever's tuned in. Yes. Uh, and we like it. We're having fun and we're hoping to increase our numbers and yeah. So the only way we can increase our numbers is to grovel. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> we're good. So, we're good at groveling. So just because we're enjoying this and we would love to see move around and, you know, on and actually pop up on Spotify somewhere or any mm-hmm. of other, other platforms. If you just take one second when you're done with this episode to follow the podcast. And if there's a, um, you know, if you can add a five-star review bonus, we appreciate it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, also, as everybody knows, um, and you've heard it on every episode, please follow us on Instagram at Today We Laughed and Learned or on Facebook at Today We Laughed and Learned. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us everything we're doing wrong. Yes. Give us a suggestion of something you'd like us to research for you. And you can do that by contacting us at todaywelaughed at gmail.com. Indeed. So that's it. It's a wrap, Deb. It's late. It's a wrap. It's, uh, 
I'm in my pajamas. I'm ready okay. for bed. <laughs> I'm in I'm in like a hybrid half pajamas, half I was too lazy to take my my work clothes off. So yeah. Okay. But anyway, we're ready to, to wrap this. <laughs> all right then. All right. Well, all I can say is I think that we laughed. And learned all about the connection between depression and humor. <laughs> and you did a great job doing it. Thanks. Thanks, Deb. I hope everyone enjoyed. Thank Thanks, you. Chris. Thanks so much. Have everybody. a great night. Bye-bye. Until next week.